Being a Better Man, episode 113. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Storytime with Alf. Storytime is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Right around the time I was born, my parents decided to get a puppy. Her name was Lady, a little black and white mixed breed dog. She was part spaniel, which gave her some long wavy hair and a part of a few other things, but she was our dog. And since they got her when I was born and I grew up with her, she became more than a dog to me. She was more like my older sister. We were both babies at the same time, but she grew up and matured way faster than I did. And we spent all of our time together, Lady and I. She was truly as much a part of my family as my parents were. She was ever-present. In fact, she probably knew me better than my parents did. Because dogs can understand some things that people can't. As I grew older and learned how to walk and talk and do all the other sorts of things that humans do... It did not affect my relationship with Lady. Some people who have never owned a dog would have a hard time understanding the type of bond we had. They might think that our relationship would be limited by the fact that Lady couldn't speak, but I would disagree. Since we grew up together from infants, our communication transcended speech. She always knew what I was thinking. She knew what I was saying to her. Our body language and small gestures and sounds between us were all the language that we needed. And when I started school, it was rough on both of us. For the first time since we were babies, we had been separated. But very quickly, Lady learned the routine and knew that I would come home again each day after school. My other human siblings were two and three years younger than me, so it was Lady who was my most constant companion. During all my adventures and explorations of the world around me, she was with me, always. I was never alone. Lady had some hunting instincts, and she would frequently go out into the woods by herself to chase rabbits and other small animals. But I had developed a certain whistle. It was different than a normal whistle. When I did this particular whistle noise, it meant that Lady should drop whatever she's doing and find me right away. And it always worked, every single time. No matter how far away she had roamed or what she was doing, when I made this certain whistle, she would always show up very quickly. When Lady and I were eight years old, I had started Little League Baseball. And one day it was time to go to a game. We were running late and we were in a hurry. I never left home without saying goodbye to Lady first, so I gave my special whistle, and I waited. But she didn't come. She'd never taken this long to respond. I whistled again, and when she didn't show up again, I became very afraid. She had never not shown up before. Something was wrong, and I knew it. 
My parents were urging me to get into the car. By now, I was crying, saying, we can't go to the game. We have to find Lady. My parents didn't understand the code we had. They didn't understand the importance of our whistle. How could they? I mean, no one understood it except Lady and me. They tried to assure me that it would be okay, that she would probably be waiting for us when we got back. As we were driving out of the driveway, my mother told my dad to stop the car. She thought she heard something, a distant, faint yelp or something. We all listened quietly, but we didn't hear anything else. So Dad continued on driving to my baseball game. And during the whole game, all I could think about was Lady. When we got home, I ran out of the car, calling and whistling, but she didn't come. I told my parents, we had to go look for her. We had to get flashlights and call friends to help, and we could all go out in the woods and find her. But they made me go to bed instead, though I don't believe I slept. The next day, we did look for her, but we found nothing. I made posters, hundreds of them and hung them everywhere within two or three miles of our house. I called for her. I whistled for her for hours. For the first time in my life, I experienced panic and fear and a sense of loss that was difficult to process. That first day without her turned into two, and then three, and then a week had gone by, and then two weeks. My memories of that time are very dark. It seemed all I did was call and whistle and roam the woods and pastures until my mother made me come home. And I cried. Remembering that time, it seems as though I never stopped crying. I woke up crying for Lady, and I went to sleep crying for her. My parents were worried about me. To say that I was not handling Lady's absence well is a severe understatement. What no one seemed to realize is how much she had become an integral, permanent part of my life. She wasn't just a pet. She was a very important thread in the fabric of my existence. I had come to rely on her, almost as though she were a part of me. I considered her in everything I did, and now I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to be myself without her. I became listless with melancholy, and I had no interest in doing anything except trying to find Lady. The only thing that kept me going at all was a belief I had down deep that she would return, that she was still alive somewhere. About a month after Lady's disappearance, my dad sat me down. He said he had something to tell me. As I listened, he told me through his own choking voice that he had found Lady's body that she was dead. He told me that it looked like she'd been chasing something on a neighboring property, and when she jumped through a fence, a wire went through her leg behind her Achilles tendon, and she'd been trapped there on the fence until she starved to death. It was too terrible for me to imagine, and I didn't believe a word of what he was saying. I demanded to know where he had buried this dog so I could see for myself and proved that it wasn't her. He told me not to go and find her grave. He demanded that I leave her alone. But at my first opportunity, I snuck out and wandered in the back boundary of our land. He had mentioned he marked the grave with a stick, and I pulled and dug at many sticks, until finally 
there was one with fresh dirt. I could not have explained what was driving me. I was acting without thinking. The only motivating factor in my mind was grief and the need to prove it was not lady in the ground. I needed to believe, I needed to believe she was still alive. I was digging with both hands and then suddenly a black and white paw sprung out of the dirt beneath my fingers. The whole world stopped. Everything stopped. I just stared at this paw for several moments. I knew it was her. I recognized her paw, and my mind was locked in a place from which it didn't know how to move forward in that moment. But ultimately, my mind did move forward a bit, and when it did, I just collapsed onto her grave, screaming and crying into the earth. I don't know how long I was like that. If no one would have come and got me, I might still be there. But my dad found me and brought me home. I don't remember the days that followed. They were lifeless and meaningless. It was like I had died with her, but my consciousness was cruelly forced to live on in the shell of my body. But there was a day that my memories returned. It happened when my dad came home from work. He was walking funny. His arms weren't swinging, and he was smiling. My mother called us kids into the kitchen where my dad was, but I remained on the couch, disinterested. My mother made me come into the kitchen then, and I sat on the floor with my brother and sister. My dad squatted down in front of us. He could barely contain his excitement. I was still not interested in whatever was going on. And then a face, a little black furry face emerged from my dad's coat. It was a puppy. My mother and siblings squealed with delight as my dad set the puppy down on the floor. Initially, I recoiled in horror. I didn't want another dog. I was offended at the idea that any other dog on earth could replace my lady. I felt like it was an attack on her memory. I scooted back several feet while everyone else was welcoming the puppy into her new home. Then the puppy stopped and seemed to notice me from across the room. It came straight at me, and when it got to me it jumped on my lap and started licking me and shaking its butt like it hadn't learned to wag its tail yet without the whole butt moving. I resisted, but after a minute the life of the puppy invaded my soul. And that's when I started to live again. I had not smiled or laughed in weeks, and now I was doing both. This puppy, together with the love of my parents, had restored my life somehow. And it was a fat little puppy, another blend of various breeds. It kind of looked like a bear cub, and it wiggled when it walked, and so we named it Wiggles. And she remained with our family until she became old and died some time after I had left home. And I could never talk about Lady without crying, well into my adulthood. In fact, I was around 34 when I wrote a song about her while I was long-haul trucking around the country, and I kept singing that song until I could get through it without crying. It took some time, but it was the song that finally healed me and made me be able to talk about Lady without falling apart. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it right now. But this was kind of a sad story, I know. 
But like all stories, everything worked out the way it was supposed to. That's kind of the lesson I got from it. During those days between Lady and Wiggles, I didn't know how to live. I didn't want to live. But the world kept spinning around regardless. The sun kept rising in the eastern sky as though it had no idea what was going on in my life. Plants continued to grow and birds flew. The whole world just kept moving forward in spite of me. Life marched on as it always will and eventually it snagged me up and brought me along with it. It did this because I was focused again on the moment I was living in, the puppy in my arms. Lady had become part of the past, and I had to let the past have her. It's an important lesson to remember in times of great tragedy, and I've used it many times. There's something about realizing that no matter what has happened, life is going to continue, time will continue to pass, and with that passage of time, even the most stark, horrible of events begin to heal. Some heal more slowly than others. But time is an amazing ointment. What we are left with is kind of like a scar, a memory of the incident. But the flesh underneath it is healed. And in that understanding of time, there's always some hope for the future. Now head out into the world, knowing that whatever happens, time is on your side. Pain does not last forever. Heartache can be healed. Focus on the puppy in your arms, whatever that might be, the moment you're living in. That's one more way to be a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad, signing out.